welcome to the QSR Media Podcast, where Krispy Kreme, recent winners of the QSR Media Best Customer Experience Award, will take us inside their journey over the last 12 months. And now, here are your hosts, Justine Charlton and Chris Maveris. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast from QSR Media in partnership with Adian. For this episode, we'll be talking about how to fit existing and integrating new tech to pandemic-proof your business. We will also deep dive on how Krispy Kreme pivoted and now expanding again via drive-through and how to achieve new formats of stores in a fast-moving environment. I am Justine Charlton, editor of QSR Media. Joining me today as co-host is Chris Mavris. Many of you will know Chris from his days at Soul Origin. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me, Justine. We're going to go jump on the bike again and have some more fun. That's right. Experts to discuss the topic, Ben Zeal, SVP Sales Australia and New Zealand, Adian. Thanks, Justine. Thanks, Chris. Really looking forward to it. And Nicholas Steele, Retail Director at Crispy Cream. Hey, everyone. Thanks, Justine and Chris, for your fun discussion. That's right. So I'm going to kick off with the first question. So this is to Krispy Kreme. So this is for you, Nicola. As Australia is really on the verge of reopening and reopening all our internal borders, what are the key lessons you have learned as a business during the pandemic? Yeah, very exciting times for Australia, especially down in Melbourne. It's our Freedom Day uh, today. So super excited. I think Krispy Kreme, two real key lessons. One is joy is essential. You know, I think no matter how deflated our customers and teams were, there was always still reasons people were looking to celebrate. You know, you've still got a birthday, even if you're in lockdown, you still want that little moment to to kind of smile and, and give something to your family and, you know, make those Friday nights a little bit better. And the second thing I think is that our field team are awesome. You know, I think lots of people have been able to work from home, you know, myself included for a large part of it. And, you know, that's been challenging as well to kind of adapt to that. But the teams who, you know, have gone into store to, to make our donuts each and every day through the pandemic, through the lockdown, through the rising case numbers have been incredible, especially for, for some of the remote teams. I think it's been almost two years since any of our executive teams have been out to kind of see our New Zealand operations. And uh, I think I got to Perth once through the pandemic when we opened a new concept store, had to do the 14 days quarantine, but it was great to get out and see those teams in person. But for us, I think, you know, our brand DNA our mission is to kind of touch and enhance lives through the joy that is Krispy Kreme. And, you know, even in a pandemic, we've been able to kind of really make people's day, even if it meant that we had to get out into the community to do it. Uh, we launched a program called DoForce, where we used to get out and take donuts out to, to the front line, you know, to hospitals, vaccination centres, and just to say thank you for all the work that they've been doing, which has been amazing to be part of. A lot of people forget about their field team and the guys on the ground, especially in larger organisations. So I take my hat off to you for really acknowledging them. One of the questions, how did you keep them motivated and keep them up? Because they were sort of hearing all the sad, the bad news from everyone else and have to still show up every day with a smile on their face. Was there anything that you guys did or how did you motivate them? No, definitely. It's been a challenge. I can remember the very start of the pandemic, I actually reached out to Lint and said, we need to do something for our field teams. And we organised donuts for their field team at Easter and they organised chocolates for our team. So trying to get creative with it. I do think, you know, giving the donations and empowering the field teams to be able to take donuts out to their local 
hospital is a vaccination center, really made them feel like they were doing something that was worth it and that they could be involved. And it wasn't something that, you know, just had to be run from support office. And, uh, but I think, yeah, big parts recognition. You can't forget about them, you know, just because you don't get to go and see them. So now I want to talk a little bit about your National Donut Day. You actually won an award at our awards for that. How did you, due to COVID restrictions, that plan had to change very quickly. Tell me a little bit about that and how this helped to kind of boost your brand during the pandemic. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, National Donut Day, which always falls on the first Friday of June, is kind of like the Christmas at Krispy Kreme. It's a, it's a day that we celebrate each and every year, something the teams look forward to where customers can come in, no purchase required, and just get a free donut just to kind of celebrate the occasion. And as you said, you know, with restrictions tightening up in Victoria, we didn't feel it was safe to do that on the first Friday of June this year. But, you know, Melburnians have suffered enough and we thought, well, we can't just not give them a free donut just because of the pandemic. So we thought we'll call it National Donut Delay. And when it's safe to reactivate the promotion, we'll do it. So I think it was four Fridays later, we thought, right, restrictions have eased. We feel we're in a position to, to have a COVID safe plan that would enable this to be safe for our team and our customers. And we were able to reactivate that, uh, which was awesome. And yeah, customers were super excited. They didn't miss out on their free donut that year, this year. Just curious, um, did you give away more donuts this year because of the delay and because of the lockdown? I was just curious, is there, were you, did you go 10% more, 20% more? What was the impact, you know, and how, you know, ties into brand recognition and how you've helped the community during this time? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, yeah, in our suburban Heartland stores, so our big drive-through stores uh, out at Fountaingate and uh, Faulkner in Melbourne, we gave away more. And, uh, you know, I think that was, for us, we're quite lucky in that we've got quite a few store formats. Um, we, you know, we have an airport business that suffered greatly, CBD business as well. But yeah, the big drive-throughs in those suburban hubs where people have been working from home and spending more time in the local community really kicked off bigger there. I think it helped that it was a donut day of, of case numbers as well. So there was some good synergy there for people to, to want to celebrate. Right. Adian, Ben, I'm going to throw to a question for you. How do you think the pandemic has magnified and accelerated QSR brands' efforts towards e-commerce? You start with a, a pre-pandemic where everything was fairly much as usual. You'd go to the counter, you'd make an order, you'd tap your card or, or your phone against a terminal. And then you look at the beginning of the pandemic where everything was shut down and you really only had channels of ordering ahead. Or, or through delivery. And those e-commerce channels suddenly became absolutely vital to the success or, or to even to maintain your business. Where we've started to see is that it's not only been a, a lifeline uh, for QSRs, but it's actually become quite important in their everyday engagement with their customers. And it's really brought forward a lot of thoughts uh, about e-commerce and our apps uh, and delivery service uh, right to the front and center. Uh, you're seeing right now that it's the preferred method of, of ordering for many uh, QSR uh, patrons uh, because they actually can get a complete menu and choice. And it's also tying in very well with loyalty too, which was pre-pandemic, I'd say quite separate and um, disjointed. Um, Aiden. You know, it's part of the world that we live in now and Australia 
Australians have been known for early uptakers in technology, whether it was tap and go, we were probably the country that embraced it sooner than anywhere else in the world. And now, you know, then into delivery services. And now with COVID and cash almost being a dirty word in the retail world, the trends that you notice, so Australia and, and especially New South Wales and Victoria have been in and out of lockdown a few times over the last year. And um, it's, were there any trends around, you know, obviously before you might, it went up significantly. Did it drop down again once we sort of all felt safe again? And then did it dip up again? And it's probably too early to see the trend out of the rest of it, except for New South Wales. I'd just be curious to understand how people's routines have changed around, you know, embracing the Aiden platforms and everything that goes around that. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, We've seen a continual trend upwards of using digital technologies to actually deliver, not only for menus, but um, full ordering. Uh, And that goes in all touch points, whether someone's actually at a restaurant or a cafe, they may now scan a QR code to generate the menu because they're used to now checking in. And they'll use that QR code to, to follow the menu, but also complete the checkout. The trick here, what we're seeing is those QSRs that are embracing it as a multi-channel unified commerce approach by not only using it just for digital experiences, but to maintain and and draw in for um, in-store experiences, they're the real winners. They're giving a consistent and unified experience, and that's what customers want. They want to feel like no matter if they're using a delivery service or uh, whether they're using Google ordering or they're, they're using the, the proprietary order ahead service, that it's going to be the same. And they're really enjoying the fact that they've got more control now over those services too. Just another question while we're there. Adian is one of the leaders in this space and um, it's becoming a very cluttered space. There, there, you know, Three years ago, there was almost no one in this space and all of a sudden there seems to be 20, 30 people playing in the same space that you guys have been working in for a long time. What are the differentiators for Adian from, you know, your competitors? What challenges have you guys faced around these guys that have come into the market fresh, trying to take advantage of what's going on without really the runs on the board to support the people they're going to try and sell their product to? So really the the great thing about Adian is we offer all touch points, whether it be within app ordering and e-commerce ordering or in store. Uh, we've got a solution that actually works in a ubiquitous uh, way. So keeping the customer front and center has been key for us and learning from our uh, the QSRs, which we ultimately call our partners as well, as to what experiences do we need to create and, and develop together in order to give the best customer journey and experience. And we've done that globally. And I think that's a nice thing that when you start to look at our, our customer base in the QSI industry globally, they're really great uh, partners and they also give us these experiences or desired experiences, what they want to create and, and push them out right throughout the Adyen platform. So it's not necessarily the QSR only experience that we're creating, but we're doing something for everyone. And just leading off from that, I'd like to jump over to you, Nicola. How has the pandemic highlighted the importance of that consistent customer experience, just on the back of what Ben just shared with us. Yeah, definitely. I think through the pandemic, I think the trust that you have with your customer has been incredibly important. You know, people venturing out of their houses, 
they're taking, you know, potential risk and they're going to do that for brands and products that they trust. So I think, you know, ensuring that you've got, you know, nice, safe, clean environment in shops is definitely one way. But also, you know, obviously like what uh, Ben was touching on, you know, the digital options for customers has been, you know, paramount to kind of, you know, for click and collect services and all of that as well as a convenient way and a safe way for, for customers to, to still be able to get the products that they enjoy, which has been you know, a big change. And I guess as you pivot to digital, you've got to ensure that the experience is, is just as high as you can deliver in, in store. And that might mean you've got to make sure that the partners that you're using to do that uh, with your brand are, are up for the challenge and you know, understand the objective and mission as well. While we're on that, and you spoke about the field team before, I've had some really bad experiences with Click and Collect with some brands out there during the pandemic. How did you ensure that, you know, what a joyful experience of getting some Krispy Kreme donut, donuts wasn't ruined by a bad customer service experience or not knowing where to pick up the donuts in the store and that? I'm just curious. Yeah, no, definitely. definitely. So just at the start of the pandemic, we actually made the move to, to shift our e-commerce function out of the marketing division and put it into operations. And the reason that we did that was to kind of make sure it wasn't just a almost experimental part of the business where we, you know, we could play around with customization and that kind of thing, but it became integrated into what we do on a daily basis. And for us, I think that was a really important shift uh, and enabled us to kind of work through, you know, strategies to make sure that we could scale up in a way that wasn't going to leave anyone disappointed. I noticed that, you know, leading on from that, you did put on a new e-commerce manager late last year. Has this change been driven by them? Was it in process? Um, I know that e-commerce and retail don't, you know, I've had some experience about, you know, marketing and retail over the years have often clashed heads. You know, yeah. just curious how that went along and, you know, was it embraced and how did they move the dial with the field team and operations? Definitely. Yeah, no, huge challenge. We had Carolina join our, our team, you know, I think uh, start of September last year. And for me, I think as part of her onboarding, it was so important that she learned end-to-end operations of the business to kind of understand, you know, for us, we make a fresh daily product, which is awesome. You know, you get fresh donuts, uh, no matter what city you live in, they're made there 365 days a year, but it's got its challenges as well. Um, you know, things can go wrong. And for us, you know, when the orders are there and committed through a digital platform, we've got to be able to make sure we can execute that. So for her to kind of wrap her head around what it is that we do on a day-to-day business and then work out what's going to work for customers and having kind of different products on offer in advanced ordering versus on demand and and those kind of things. So it really um, helped her understanding and kind of pivot that change and and refocus the e-commerce division. Is there anything that she noticed after spending time, apart from respect for the operations team, is there anything else that she understood or really changed her thinking on the way she used to run e-commerce or the way e-commerce needed to work within Krispy Kreme environment? Yeah, definitely. I think even things like packaging, you know, to your point around like you can have a really bad experience around, you know, how obvious is it that this is a perishable good, that our couriers obviously know how to hold up the boxes and those kind of things. Um, I think the other thing was just reevaluating the, the partners that we use to deliver our products as well and making sure that they understand the difference of you know delivering jeans or something like that compared to donuts it's a, it's a real um you know different delicate product so i think her having seen what it's like in the factory and the effort because you know everything's handmade really i think changed the dial on you know treating it as that premium fresh made product yeah really really changed our approach you mentioned earlier you you 
Krispy Kreme's got a whole lot of different store formats, just like mm. your observations on which store kind of formats you think you'll invest more into in the future, which, what are your observations and learnings, I guess, with all your different store formats? Yeah, um, look, airports was a real challenge, but uh, we had the, the luxury, I guess, in the, all the foresight, some of the kiosks that we built are modular. So we actually were able to close down two of our airport kiosks and use the modular parts of that kiosk to reinvest them and you know repurpose them to open some shopping center sites. Uh, so we were able to open Mount Druitt and Water Gardens just recently in Melbourne. So that was a unplanned kind of shop expansion. Um, and yeah, those modular kiosks work really well to obviously test out locations and you know see if we've got a, a shop in the right demographic. And then of course the drive-throughs. So drive-through was huge growth for us. I think same reason for that e-commerce uh, click and collect. It's contactless. Customers can feel safe. And obviously convenient as well. So for us, you know, we've invested heavily in drive-through technology to, to ensure we can, you know, get a great speed of service and, you know, still have the full menu available for our customers through that channel. The, uh, the modular piece with taking your sites from the airport and just putting them in new locations. Yeah, what a fantastic thing to do. Yeah, no, definitely. And for us, I think, um, yeah, as we kind of expand. So because we have these big factory theatre shops where we, we manufacture the donuts, um, as we kind of, you know, do that, we've got to make sure that we can produce and sell enough donuts to make it viable for a market. So I think we've definitely got some learnings on, on how we can, um, you know, without it being too CapEx heavy, kind of expand uh, our, our reach as we open more of those theatre shops and support them um, in, in locations that, you know, maybe we, we hadn't traditionally thought about. Uh, and just a last question for you. What impact did your new digital revenue streams make to your business? And how important is this sector for you during the pandemic and beyond? Look, digital is here to stay, for sure. I think uh, whilst, you know, you might some, have some drop down in the digital revenue streams as people return to, to that experience that they've been missing and craving, you know, the convenience was there for customers. And I think for us, it's super important that we continue to leverage that. I think one, one thing we're, we're going to be doing next year is thinking more about celebrations range. Uh, the fact that you can kind of get pre-orders in in advance, you can probably add to the complexity of the donuts that we can make, such as like we do wedding donuts uh, for people's weddings and obviously, you know, super important product. But we're thinking about those kind of occasions and celebrations that will be back and how we can leverage our, you know, digital revenue stream to kind of get those orders in and give those options to customers that you wouldn't traditionally be able to get in our bricks and mortar retail shops. I might, might ask a question. You talk about uh, digital experiences are here to stay. What do you believe is going to be the next experience that'll uh, almost curate and, and, and take over that uh, traditional in-store experience? It's a great question. I think um, for us, it's, it's really about how we do our new shop design. For us, it's, it can't just be an add-on. So, you know, if we're going to have dedicated zones for customers that have pre-ordered and and all that, it should be integrated and flow nicely, not just like a, in the corner. Yeah, there's the, there's the click collect orders. So as we start to think about, um, you know, the floor plans of our, our new uh, shops of the future, we've got to keep digital in mind and keep it interactive and fun as well for the customers. So it's something that we're kind of uh, working on for some of our new shop designs and um, yeah, make sure it's still seamless and convenient for the customer, but still fun, you know, as well. So I think that's an important thing. Aidan, I have a few thoughts on that. And um, yes, digital is here to stay. The brands that embrace the technology that drives the click and collect are the ones that will succeed at it. So how great would it be that 
the moment, you know, using GPS tracking and that the moment the customer walks into the store, that they receive a text to say, welcome to the store, your order's ready, go to the counter and ask for John or for Peter or for Mary, whoever that person might be. And they wait in queue, just like a normal customer or perhaps wherever the station is, they ask for John and John's knows that they're coming because there's already been an alert come through to the point of sale or somewhere in the store. And that put, John comes over and says, g'day, Mary, how are you? Mate, we've, these donuts are beautiful. We hope you enjoy them. You know, whether it's a birthday, a wedding or whatever, you acknowledge the event and then that continues to go on. That's around the events part. But even if it's just a pack for home, you know, we hope you enjoy these after dinner. That's where the opportunity is, I feel, within the retail environment. So, you know, we started at the beginning by saying it's got to be intermeshed. That's where I see the intermeshing happening. Uh, absolutely. And we talk about having personalized experiences, uh, not only in the retail world, but now being able to bring them into QSRs. It's so important. And we, we go from a, a very seamless way where you can make a payment by tapping your mobile device or tapping your card in the in-store to something that's got to be even richer and, and really raise the bar there. And um, something that's always been front and center that uh, traditionally you wouldn't think about, but it's that checkout experience is going to be different to in-store. And when you're even entering your card details, you don't want to be having a, a keyboard. So you want to make it really frictionless. And uh, that then tends to what are the payment methods that are actually really making it easier for customers to go and, and through the name of quick service restaurant to, to get a quick checkout and make people smile not make it an experience that is difficult and that you won't want to try again. I agree 100% with that statement. And um, is Adian doing anything around that? Is there any products that you can talk to us about before we go that is helping that experience occur and making it more seamless? Absolutely. I mean, we, we've got over 250 payment methods that we have on the Adian platform globally, but it's really around knowing which payment methods your, your customers are actually going to get a, a more seamless checkout experience. And I do say the Apple Pays and Google Pays are great experiences for checkout because they're already preloaded with your, your payment information. QR is definitely an interesting one. And We've seen some of the um, Asian payment methods such as Alipay and WeChat Pay um, really take shape in Asia. But now with the adoption of QR in the Australian market, because we all scan uh, a QR code and we all know how to use it, how is that going to actually change the way that we check out and, and make a payment? If there's one thing that both of you would say that is the most important thing that has come out of, you know, in and out of lockdown and the new world in retail and payments. What would you say that is? Yeah, I'll go first. For me, I think it's that you've, you've just got to continually listen to your customers, you know, and understand that they're cheap, they're, their needs are going to change. It's going to be really interesting to see, you know, what is it that consumers crave post-pandemic and, you know, making sure that we're, we're adapting and pivoting towards that um, as best we can. You know, retail doesn't stand still. So, you know, whether it's a pandemic or not, we know there's always going to be changes and, you know, it's just something that we've got to go in hard for and, um, yeah, still, still stay true to your brand DNA at the same time. Um, you know, I love what you said about trying to make it personal, even if it's a digital experience. It's, it's still got to be true to your brand no matter what you're doing. Uh, for me, it's really about embracing new technology and, and not being afraid of them. Uh, we've seen 
that the companies that uh, were very early on in, in creating a digital experience, they just keep adding on to that experience and making it better and better. Those companies that have sort of been a bit afraid and, and you know, sitting on the, the wings waiting for uh, all the bugs to be ironed out, they're too late. So I'd say embrace payments technologies, embrace ordering technologies, because it really is the future of a great customer experience. Thank you both for your insights and for taking the time to chat with myself and Justine. I hope everyone listening has enjoyed our little chat and has learned something from our chat. And Justine, again, thank you for trusting me with this with you. Pleasure, Chris. Thank you for helping me with the co-hosting role. Appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Ben and Nicola, that's been a really insightful session. And again, thank you, Chris, for co-hosting with me today. So lastly, if listeners are looking to learn more about Adian and your advice, where can they reach you, Ben? That's a, a great one. I'm always free on my email, ben.zil at adian.com, or just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Love to have a chat, love learning about different companies and their experiences and what they actually want to achieve. Terrific. So that's it from today's QSR Media Podcast. We'll be back soon with more news, views and insights from the QSR industry soon. I'm Justine Charlton and thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our channel in Spotify, Apple and Google Podcast. For more information, check out qsrmedia.com.au.